All right, everybody say, is this off the record? Well, a lot of times we hear that statement when we're listening in on an interview, a reporter's interviewing somebody, and they ask the heated question, and they ask the one with all the juicy details, and they really want to know, and then the person asks, well, okay, I'll tell you what I really think, what really happened behind those doors, but they ask, is this off the record? Yeah, or the reporter that's asking, they might be, uh, they might want to just kind of, um, throw it out there at the beginning and make it a safe place and, you know, right before they're revving up for that one question that everybody wants to know. And they say, this is off the record. Don't worry about it. what are they, what are they trying to say? They're trying to say, this is a safe place. What you're going to say to me right now, the answer to your question, I will not use it against you or I don't have tangible evidence to use it against you. And so they might use things, I don't think they use these things anymore, but Exhibit A from the Museum of Tape Recorders. And in case you have not seen one of these, y'all know what this is. Y'all know what this is? This is called a tape. It's a cassette. Thank God our best days, we're living in them right now in technology. But a lot of times, you know, we're watching these interviews, or this this off the record, is this off the record, this is off the record, and you know, you look at these, it's, it doesn't take much to look at the news and look around and see that our society really loves to dig up dirt, right? I mean, we got some professionals that know how to hunt for the skeletons in the closets. Like, they know how to dig up the dirt. In fact, they like to kind of dig up the dirt because they like that insurance that say, hey, I like this insurance. I like to hang this overhead just in case I have to lay this card, just in case I have to remind somebody or remind you of what you said or what you've done. I got it in my pocket and I could possibly use it. We're surrounded by that. Even if, like, anybody fan of the um, award shows? Okay, just me. Some of you are already judging me because I said that. But, so the Oscars. The Oscars this year, they didn't even have a host. Do you know why? Because the host they were going to have, he said stuff and a group of people didn't like it. And so then it kind of got an uproar and it was like, I'm not coming to that. And then they asked other hosts and then they were afraid to say yes because they were afraid of stuff that they've said or stuff that they were going to say. They were afraid it was going to be used against them. So they didn't even have a host out of fear of this off the record type of stuff. And you know, we're surrounded by that. We've been victims of that, people holding things over our head. We've actually kind of been the not off the record type of people at times and maybe held things over other people's heads. And because we do that and surrounded by that, we forget, it is easy to forget that God is not like that. We serve a God that says, hey, this is off the record. The stuff that you've repented of, I've forgiven you of, and this is off the record. That is good news, church. And 1 Corinthians 13, it says, God is love, and love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. Now, obviously, when we have sin in our life, when we have things that we have not repented of, when we either have not labeled that as sin, we haven't confronted that, hey, this is a mistake and this mistake, I am calling it sin because I'm saying, God, I believe what you say is wrong behavior is wrong behavior. I believe what you say is sin is sin. And when we don't repent of those things that God says is sin, it's still on the record. That's the gospel. We need a savior. We need to be saved from our sins. But no matter who you are in this room, Christian or heathen, unrepented sin or repented sin, God's desire for you is that you would repent, receive his forgiveness, and his desire for you is the things that you are holding over your head, the things that other people have held over your head, he wants to say is off the record, is off your record. Every single person here, God desires for you to live a life, me to live a life free of shame, free of feeling regret all the time, free of a sense of unworthiness, free of guilt. That is God's desire for every single, every single person in this room. In Psalms 103, it says, Lord, you're so kind. 
and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it. And so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks in kindness. You don't look at us only to find our faults. Praise God, right? Just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for many sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Praise God we don't have a God that's walking around with revenge. Y'all seen those Hollywood movies like Double Jeopardy and all these other people that are for revenge? Like, thanks God that that's not our type of God. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love, towering over all who fear you and bow down before you. Farther from a sun's rise to a sunset, that's how far you've removed our guilt from us. That is a promise of God, that he desires to remove the sting of our mistake, the guilt and the shame. He desires to, to remove the feeling of the aftermath of when we missed it. He desires to remove that off your record. And how do we participate in this promise? We repent, we ask him for forgiveness, we receive his forgiveness, and then this promise becomes activated and we're able to participate in this promise. And there are things that you feel like are still on the record. There could be things that you still feel like are on the record that you've repented of and you thought you received God's forgiveness, but you're still allowing the devil or even maybe others for it to be on the record. And God says, I promise you, I will not use it against you. In your relationships, and your future, in your opportunities, in business opportunities, in your family, I will not use it against you. I will not purposefully use it against you. Something will accidentally happen. I will not accidentally use it against you. I will not use it against you. In fact, if you let me, I am the only one who will actually use it for you. Everything that other people or yourself might be holding over your head, God will actually, is the only one who can actually use it for you. In verse six of Psalms 103, it says he puts victims back on their feet, turning things around for good. And I believe this message is on my heart because this message is on God's heart. Like I said, some of you listening Today, there's some sin that needs to be repented of. There's some things that you feel like are on the record. Well, they are on the record because they're sins that have yet to be acknowledged as sin in our life, where shame is keeping us from experiencing the conviction and the transformation of the cross. Shame is actually allowing us to sin more, causing us to sin more in our life rather than coming to the cross and receiving and being a recipient of his forgiveness. And I also believe it's a message on God's heart because like I said, there's some people in this room that you've repented for things of, in your life, in your past, whether it was moments ago or days ago or decades ago, you've repented. You think, God, you have received God's forgiveness. But the reality is, is that you keep rehearsing over and over the mistakes, the things that you've said, the things that were said to you, the things that were done to you, the things that you did to other people. And what happens is we try to move forward. And if there are tapes in our life that God has labeled off the record but are still on the record with you and, and you're looking at it in a way that's filtered through shame, you will always, whether you realize it or not, you will always push away the goodness of God in your life. You will shy away from the goodness of God if we look and filter our life through the eyes of shame and unworthiness. Because this is what happens. We try to push the play button to our life, right? We try to push the play button. We try to move forward and passionately pursue God and dream bigger dreams and pray bigger prayers and to believe God for that. We're wanting to push the play button to life and run after God with all of our heart. But then there's a cassette player in the play of our life that 
it just keeps us from really pushing, from really moving forward to passionately pursue God the way that our heart desires. Again, when there's trails of shame and unworthiness in our life undealt with, we'll constantly push away the goodness of God in our life. And when you know who you are in Christ, when we know who we are in Christ, like not just sing about it, but we actually have personally made the decision to identify with what God says we are, with who God says we are. Like not what other people say, not what we even think we are, not self-identification, not uh, what our feelings in the moment say that we are, not allowing what we've done or what we do to say who we are, but we've truly made the decision to identify with Christ, it gives us the courage to look at the archives, to look at the stories of our life. Like I said, whether it be moments ago or decades ago, it gives us the courage to look behind and see without eyes of shame and without being filled to the brim of regret because we know who we are in Christ. And the reality is, is there's people in this room that you've ignored things of the past, you've denied things of the past, that you think just denying or busying up your schedule and your life and trying to zoom through, you don't think they're affecting you, but the reality is, is they are, because anytime there's trails of shame and unworthiness, we will constantly push away and shy away from the goodness of God, of what he's trying to bring into our life. And that is not God's plan for us. If we want what God has, we have to see how God sees. If you want what God has, you have to see what God sees. And that first starts with seeing yourself as he sees you. In, Psalm, in Psalms 103, do you really believe this? In verse eight, do you really believe that God tenderly looks at you? If you can put that back. Do you really believe that he is filled with compassion? That he has a tender heart? That he's so kind? And you say, I don't deserve the goodness of God. He just said to people who don't deserve it. But I still have kindness and tenderness towards you. Do you truly believe that when you do, you have the courage to face anything of the past? Decades ago or moments ago that could keep you from moving forward and pushing the play button to your life. And I believe God wants to initiate forward movement in this room. There are some of us sitting in shame when God is saying stand up in righteousness. In the middle of whatever you're walking through and whatever you're going through is saying stop sitting down on the bench of your life in shame and stand up and know who you are in Christ. Stand up to the devil. Stand up to the accusations, true or false, and say God, I believe in the power. I believe that you have called me, that you've redeemed me, that you restored me. I believe that you're on the inside of me and I believe that I can overcome overcome this and do this through you. And I'm not saying, amen, I'm not saying that we need to live our life on rewind. I don't think we need to live our life with the button on, with our finger on rewind. Rewind? Rewind. I don't think that we need to live our life with our finger on the fast forward button. But I do think there's, there's moments in life for us to truly push the play button and move forward, that we have to have the courage to rewind a little bit. We have to have the courage to process our story, the things that have happened to us, the things that we wanted to happen to us, that haven't happened to us. We have to have the courage to process our story, our pain, our disappointments, where we miss it, so why? So God can bring healing. And you know a part of God's healing and wholeness is proving to you that everything that was on your record, that is now off your record, he wants to use it for your good. He wants to use it for your good. If you are still alive today, which everyone in this room is still alive today, God still wants to use things and turn situations around in your life for your good and for the benefit of those around you proving to you that he is a good, good father. A good, good father. 
God wants to prove to every single one of you that God is a good, good father. But because of trails of undealt with shame and unworthiness, we are pushing away the proof that he wants to do in our life to prove to you that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. How do I know that this is what God wants to do in our life? Well, I wanna zoom in on a few different um, people in the Bible and look at their stories. And one of them in Luke 8, 43, it says a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, 12 years with constant bleeding. I wanna pause on that for a second. We just read past like, oh yeah, 12 years with constant bleeding, who could find no cure? No, like this woman was in desperate condition. Her condition of the constant bleeding made her ceremonially unclean. That means anything that was going on that was holy, any practice where Israel was worshiping, she did not get to be a part. In fact, if she did try to be a part, her life would be in jeopardy because they could kill her because Jewish uh, people believed that if she touched me, if she was around me, then I would get sick. So she was completely ostracized from society. All of her old friends completely cut out of her life. No contact. It wasn't in the world of text message, phone calls, social media, like there's still a way to stay connected and plugged in. For her, there was no way. She was completely cut off from any giving out and pouring in. That's a long time, 12 years. That's a lot. Can you imagine the toll on her emotions? Can you imagine the toll on her identity? Can you imagine the toll on her soul and her mind of feeling like a constant burden of dealing with the same thing? That's a lot of years to, to possibly grow and, and embarrassed and ashamed. And I know some of you in this room, probably most of you don't have that same health challenge that she did. But the truth is, is there's a lot of people in this room that have been dealing with the same thing for 12 years, that have been praying the, pray, the same prayers for a while, that have been carrying the same um, heart's cry for healing in their body or for your family. There's a lot of people who are still carrying bad uh, habits and dealing with bad addictions. And I'm telling you, when you carry all of that weight for a long time and you don't process it along the way, you don't, you don't hit rewind when needed, what happens, you're trying to push the play button. You think you're moving, but you're just on autopilot. Just because you're moving doesn't mean you're moving forward. Don't settle for an autopilot type life. Just because what happens in life, we don't know how to cope with disappointments, we don't know how to cope with pain, so one mechanism we do is we just numb ourselves. Because we don't know how to cope. We don't know how to process negativity. We don't know how to process disappointments. We don't know how to process pain. And so we try, if we ride, no, no, that feels, that hurts too bad. I don't, I don't want to ride. Well, now I want to fast forward. I just want to pass through. I just, and there's no play button. There's no living presently engaged into your now. God desires for every single one of us to live present and engaged in our right now. And with God, no matter what situation you are waiting on to change, there can always be forward motion with him. No matter what situation you are waiting on to change in your life, no matter what prayers you are waiting to be answered, no matter what light at the end of the tunnel you are wanting to see, there can always be forward motion with God. So in her desperation to be out of her misery, she pushes past shame, and what could happen if she got caught and presses through the crowd to touch his robe? It says, a woman in the crowd suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. She could find no cure. Next scripture. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. And immediately the bleeding stopped. You can stop at that sentence. So she said, if I could just touch his robe. Like, that's where her faith was. And if I could just, at the lowest point of Jesus, at the least noticeable position, if I could just touch his robe, like, that's good. I just want to touch his robe, then I'll be, but just, but the least noticeable, her shame, she wanted to keep it secret, she wanted anybody to hide her, the crowd 
where it could be annoying for everybody else was actually working for her favor. So she thought because she was like, I can be hidden and I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna um, piece in and I'm gonna piece out real fast. I'm gonna do just a hit and run, like right there and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get my healing and I'm gonna go. Because if anybody can heal me, it's him. And what she thought was she was wanting to keep secret, what she was wanted to just kind of fly in and fly out, she was just content with that. Jesus wasn't. He did the complete opposite. He said, you just want to hit and run, and I want to have a moment with you. Where people have been scared of you, where people have been ashamed and embarrassed by you, come here. You're worthy of my attention. You don't think you might be worthy of my attention. You may not be worthy of other people's attention, but you are worthy of my attention. And for, verse 47, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard explain why she had touched him. Does anybody think that's funny? She wanted anybody to know, and then the whole crowd ended up finding out. And she thought at first, you know, sometimes that's just what happens in life. You think, oh, no, this is embarrassing. I don't want everybody to know. But, man, God was having her back. Can you imagine if not everybody knew that she was healed? How would people know that she wasn't just making up her healing so she could just have friends again and come to church and be around people? But she said, no, girl, I got your back. We got to make sure everybody knows. I know this girl's healed because I healed her. She, he had her back. And this is what he said. He said, the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had immediately been healed. And then he said, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What was Jesus doing here? Yes, he wanted to heal her body, but he also wanted to heal her soul. He wanted to heal her soul. She spoke up, trembling in shame and unworthiness, expecting him to come down on her. How dare you touch me? How dare you put your little fingers on my white robe? Like whatever kind of condemnation she thought could come out of his mouth, it was complete opposite. And isn't that true of all of us? We're caught in our shame and our unworthiness and we want to tell somebody and we think they're just going to be like, yeah, well, you should have known better. Should have known better. And so we're like, no, I don't want to go to them. If we see God as well, you should have known better. We're never going to go to God. Therefore, we're never gonna really get truly free, free of the things that we are walking through because he's the only one that can bring freedom. And like I said, confronting sin with shame only leads to more sin every single time. Every single time. And so expecting him to come down on her and maybe count up her faults and respond like everyone else that she had encountered, he didn't do that. What did he do? He first spoke to her identity and worth calling her daughter. And that's exactly what he does to every single person. Now, when we think we're coming to God and say, well, you should know better. Let me count up your records. No, he first wants to speak. He's, yes, sure, the behavior, the situation, it matters. But he's not addressing that first. He first wants to speak to your identity and he wants to speak to your worth, and he wants to speak to your value. And if you don't let him speak to it because you don't think you deserve it, then you are cutting yourself off from the healing supply that is so available and ready to every person here. You're pushing yourself away from God. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Just embrace the accusation. You're right. I don't deserve it, but thank God he says he's here for the people who don't deserve it. Y'all, I'll never forget when I was a senior in high school, I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, and you know, you're like, what did you do? It's none of your business. I'm just saying, I was doing things, wasn't doing the world's worst things, but I was doing things I shouldn't be doing that I said I wouldn't do, and I was caught in shame, and honestly, I feel like the majority of the year, you know, I was caught in shame because I was caught in my own sin, and I didn't know how to get myself out of it. And I remember laying down trying to go to sleep, and I just felt like this pull to come in the kitchen and open up my Bible. And, and you know what shame does is you feel that pull, but you're like, I'm not even worthy to open up my Bible. <laughs> like, 
I'm not even worthy to even listen to the words and read the words that he's speaking. But something in me like responded and, you know, where I first thought like God might, you know, show me a scripture, show me something. I'm like, man, don't you know how many chapels do you go to a week? How many times do you go to church? How many mission trips have you been on? Shouldn't you know better? Like all those types of, no. He did exactly what he did to this girl caught in her own shame and her unworthiness. She, he spoke to her identity and her worth. And where I thought he was gonna call me out, his love came rushing in. And he said, Ashley, and he showed me this scripture. And he said, your shame is blurring your vision of my love for you. He spoke about his love. And you know, because of that, it spoke to my worth when I feel like I least deserve it, when I feel like I was unworthy and receiving his love at that moment initiates so much healing in your life. And at that point, shame began to unravel and because of that, because I responded to his love instead of shame, I spiraled out of sin. Because again, confronting sin with shame will lead you to more sin every single time. No matter how long or how recent you've been calling Jesus your savior, he is always interested in speaking to your worth and your value first. Because he knows that's the beginning, the middle, and the end to your healing and your wholeness. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end of you receiving all that God has for you. Of experiencing all God's forgiveness, all God's peace, all God's joy, all everything that God has for you has everything to do with how you see yourself in light of him. And so he wanted her to know, yeah, I see you. You're worthy of my focus. And he said it was, he wanted her to know, yeah, it was my power that healed you, but it was your faith that drew it out of me. Could you imagine if Jesus left her in her shame? Like to think that she stole healing from Jesus. He didn't want her to think that because it wasn't true. But if we would have left her in her shame, he would never have addressed that. He said, no, it was your faith. Like, you didn't steal anything from you. I willingly, lovingly gave this to you. If she thought, he, if she, thought she stole from him, would she ever have the courage to look him in the eye? And then, if she thought she stole from him, she would attach her healing and her blessing to shame instead of faith. God wants to give you things and enrich your life. He wants you to experience all his goodness with no shame attached. That's how much God loves you. And the way he was with this woman, and he spoke, he spoke it to her and others of the kind of intimate and intentional God we serve. He was saying, I just want to come in. Or you may be like, I just want to come. I just want to come to church. Like, I just want to come to church. I want to come to my Sunday 11. I want to come. He said, no, like, you're worthy of way more attention than just a church service. Like, you can call on my name. I am there for you every single day. Every hour of the day. Every minute of the day. You are worthy of his attention. And so she went to Jesus for healing in her body. But it was the presence of Jesus and his response to her shame that healed her heart. It was his presence and his response to her shame and unworthiness that healed her heart. And it's the response of Jesus today in his word and what he's speaking through this word to our shame and sense of unworthiness that's going to begin the deep work in our heart and the life that's gonna come forward out of a healed and whole heart. And as I was praying and prepping for this message, I was filled with compassion for the people in the room that could identify with feeling like the burden like this woman did. Feeling like she was that constant burden, constantly wondering like, oh, I'm sorry, I hope I didn't touch you. Like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna cast this burden. I, I, I don't wanna push this on you. I don't, I wanna tell you about this. I don't, I don't wanna burden you with this. And, and if I touch you, you might, oh no, did I touch you? Now you're sick. And then who else are you gonna get sick if you get sick? Like the constant burden and embarrassment. And I was thinking of people in this room that because of your health issues, 
or because of a circumstance of some kind, whether you can control it or not control it, the shame that you feel of feeling like a burden to someone else. Maybe a situation in your health that you couldn't control and the, the burden of feeling like you are to your family. The burden of feeling like, well, if I wasn't this way, then I wanted to ruin this person's life. They might not be saying you're a burden or maybe they are and you're in a toxic situation but you feel that constant shame of feeling like you're a burden and it's literally crushing your soul. And it's causing you to not live on the play button of your life. And what happens is if you don't know how to manage the, the emotions and the disappointments and the season of feeling like a burden, even when situations change, you're gonna constantly feel like a burden because you didn't approach and address the situation and the things that God was wanting to work and the things that God is wanting to do to bring life. And you know, when the sick woman touched Jesus, it didn't make him sick. It made her clean. Your burdens don't make him burdened. When you cast your cares at the feet of Jesus, bringing your burdens to him makes you whole and light. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. And some of you are waiting for a circumstance to change, for a healing in your body to take place. But God wants to do a deep work in your heart and your soul. By the time the lady came to, to, to Jesus, yeah, she had a sick body, but all those years, like that's a sick soul too. It needed help. And Jesus said, yes, I wanna heal your body, but first I wanna speak to your shame and your unworthiness. And no matter what condition you are in, he wants you to be able to fully live and not be on pause until things change. There's a lot of things on pause in here. There's a lot of prayers you're waiting to be answered. There's a lot of miracles that you're waiting to happen. There's a lot of financial breakthrough and there's some things on pause. But like I said, with God, there's a way while you're waiting for other things to happen, there's a way to have to push the play button to your life and live fully engaged to not wait till the future, but live fully, not live in light of the past, not wait for the future, but to fully live engaged to the present. Because I'm telling you, God wants to bring things into your present that's actually gonna equip you for the future. But the trail of shame and unworthiness will always cause us to push away the goodness and the favor of God. Another person in the Bible that I wanna look at is, is Moses. Again, we're talking about the courage to process our story and situations and things we've walked through. Brene Brown, an author, said, one of the bravest things that you could ever do is own your story and love yourself through the process. And we know who we are in Christ. We have the courage to do that because we trust in the cross and we trust what, we have, what he has done for us and we trust that he is an off-the-record type of God. So in Moses, you know, shame and unworthiness can show up in all types of people in all ways, all facets. But in Moses' life, he was born in a time where Pharaoh was ordering all Hebrew babies to be thrown in the Nile, all of them to be killed because he didn't want them to outnumber the Egyptians. And so all the babies be killed. Moses was born in a time like that. Well, Moses' mom was a solutionist. She put him in the river, but she put him in a waterproof basket. Hello, I love myself some female solutionists in this place. She put him in a basket, allowing him to be found by Pharaoh's daughter, so the majority of his life, he was raised in a palace, a real cozy, comfy place to live, where there's all the money in the world, all the power, he grew up in that place. He had it all. But at some point in his life, he knew he was a Hebrew. He knew that I didn't, I'm living like the Egyptians, but I'm not Egyptian. While I am training to be the next one in line, my people are actually barely surviving. I'm looking at them in the window. They have nothing. They can barely eat. They're barely surviving. They're being beaten down. They're being killed. And here I am living it up in the palace. Can you imagine the emotions? 
Can you imagine the emotions of shame and pent up anger and pent up, what do I do with this sympathy and this like, my heart is torn, like that takes a toll. Can you imagine the feeling of unworthiness to be in his position? And then eventually it all came out. And 40 years later, he went to visit his people and he saw an Egyptian beating up his Hebrew and he stepped in and he murdered the Egyptian. And he thought at that point, you read in Acts, he thought at that point that his people would be like, yes, Moses is our deliverer. He came to our defense. But in actuality, he was like, you're gonna kill us too. And so he was full of shame and he ran. And then a lot of other stuff happened and then 40 years later, he came back. He came back to face the shame come back to face the place where he murdered, where he sinned, come back to the place where he felt unworthy, come back to the place where it was reminded of why me, God? Like so many other babies could have had that mom, so many other babies could have been saved, but, but why me, God? How did I get this and yet I'm surrounded by people just like me that have nothing. And you know, with shame, it can be easier to identify the shame and embarrassment for bad behavior, but it's not as easy to identify where we have allowed ourselves to feel shame or unworthy of privileges or favor or opportunity. Both of them are facets of shame, and both of them are not of God. Should Moses feel shamed for, feeling, for being favored by God? Should Moses feel condemned because his life was saved and not others? Should Moses feel shame because he was living the life in the palace but he was surrounded by poverty? Should he feel shame because he had that mom? He had that story? He had that waterproof basket? That daughter, Pharaoh's daughter found it. Should, be, should he be shamed for the goodness of God on his life? But the reality is, is a lot of times we receive the goodness, but then because we feel like we don't deserve it or not worthy, we receive it out of shame. Or we feel bad. I remember one of the, one of the mission trips I went on to, the very first time I went to Haiti, I'd never seen so much, so much poverty. And I remember like the week I came back, you would think I'd be like on a missions high, like, yeah, Jesus, I saw all these things happen. And like, I love Jesus. But honestly, I went through some withdrawals because I felt so bad for what I had. I mean, I couldn't even enjoy my hot shower thinking about the, the people in Haiti that, that didn't even have running water. The poverty in, in, in areas of Tulsa here, nothing compared to the poverty in Haiti, and I could barely even uh, enjoy what I have. Is that God's will? No. But so many times what we, we have, we've experienced God's goodness, and then we feel bad, so we give back. But is that really rooted in a genuine love for people, or is it rooted in shame because we feel bad? Either way is shame. God's word says, I want to add to your life and no shame is attached. He is a good God. He cares about what you are receiving and the attitude in which you receive it joyfully and humbly, God, that yes, wow, your goodness, your favor. You know, a lot of you in your life, you've seen the goodness of God in your life. Should there be condemnation for that? Should you feel shame? Should other people shame you? Should you feel ashamed for the healing that you received when the person next to you is still praying for theirs and they've been praying longer? And in time where you got married and your other friends are single, should you feel bad for finding the one that you're gonna marry while your other people are single? Should you feel bad when you, when you get pregnant, women, when you get pregnant and you're surrounded by your friends who are still believing God for their babies? Should you feel bad for the promotion and the goodness and the favor of God on your life? Is it God's will for you to live in shame or embarrassment for the promotions and the goodness of God in your life? No, you shouldn't. Shame and unworthiness can show up in any person because the devil wants to use those things for you to push away and shy away from the goodness of God and all that he has. 
All facets of shame cause us to not own the moments we do have because we keep feeling bad about the ones that we missed. Shame will always steal our present and our future. It will cause us to hold on life, hold life loosely and make memories lightly. Shame affects the grip and the passion for life. You know, in the last few years, we know that the awareness of mental illness has grown. Why? Because the number of people that have taken their life and, and all sorts, whether it's church, business, young, old, do you know that as people are reading their memoirs and their journals, do you realize how much shame is attached to them losing their passion for life and their will to live? Feeling like they can never measure up. Feeling like, man, like I've been going to church this long. I'm to, I, I, I keep responding to the altar, but not, like nothing's worth Just defeat, defeat, discourage, discourage, no way out. I'm not worthy. It's a trail of shame and unworthiness, and in Christ, he has removed all guilt, all embarrassment, all shame, any angle of it, from bad behavior to being rejected to being favored. God has removed the sting of shame and the sting of our mistakes, shame and guilt. He has removed it far from us. Why? Because he wants you to be released into your future. He wants you to enjoy your present and all that God wants to bring to you. I wanna end by speaking to unworthiness for just a moment because I believe some of you in this room have listened to the lie and those who are watching online and listening to this message, some of you have listened to the lie of the devil when it comes to the definition of humility. Some of us have a warped view of what that means. Being humble doesn't mean you need to keep a low self-esteem. Being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself, you just think less about yourself. In the world's, in God's eyes, he would call low self-esteem, if you think you're being humble, he would call that false humility. In the world's eyes, they would say, that's poor self-image. Either way, God is saying, you need an encounter with my grace. Because a genuine heart of humility says, in my own power, I cannot save my soul, I cannot earn God's love to be worthy of receiving. This genuine heart says, I can't make myself worthy of what God wants to do in me. I can't make myself worthy of what he wants to do through me and bring to me, but the cross has the final word. Because he died on the cross for me, his life screams, I am worth it. I am worthy. Because he died on the cross for you, his life screams to you, you are worth it. You are worthy of the healing that I wanna bring in your life. You are worthy of the forgiveness. You are worthy of the mercy. You are worthy of the prosperity. You are worthy of the quality of life. You are worthy of the very best I wanna bring into your life because the cross has the final word. You are worthy of the salvation. You are worthy of the forgiveness. You are worthy of it all, all that God has. Everything that God has said in here is yours. You are worthy of it because of what Christ has done on the cross. And the cross has the final word. This heart says, I am worthy because of the cross. I am worthy of whatever God wants to bring to me or do in me. And you might think you're doing good. You're like, oh, I'm not prideful because I'm not saying, oh, I deserve this. Yeah, look at me. But have you thought about pride also being, oh, don't look at me for that role. Just, just little old me. Oh yeah, you just, just give it to them. It's okay, I'm, I'm worth nothing anyways. I'm nothing special. This attitude is just as prideful. Unworthiness is steeped in pride because it's all about you. It's all about I, it's all about what I deserve, what I don't deserve. Both attitudes are so self-focused and not Christ-focused. If you're here today and you're a believer, you know Christ, you chose to identify with his life and his words, and you're not stepping out and being obedient and going and passionately pursuing God like your heart wants to because you feel like you're not good enough or because you don't deserve it, like, like it's stopping you from stepping out, if you think that God is throwing a pity party, is joining in on your pity party of not feeling good enough, he is not joining in on your pity party. He is calling you out of your pity party. He is saying, recognize who you are in Christ. Stop keeping your eyes so much on yourself and get your eyes on me. 
in the middle of the circumstance, in the middle of whatever you're walking through, in the middle of feeling undeserved, undeserved love, in the middle of feeling unworthy, get your eyes on me. James 5 says he sets himself up against the pride, those who exalt themselves and those who pity themselves. The attitude and the way that we view ourselves could be resisting and pushing away what God wants to bring in. Where you might be waiting on God to do and to bring, and God is saying the way that you see yourself, it's just pushing it away. It's pushing it away, but when you know who you are in Christ, you put yourself in a position to receive all that God has for you. All that God has for you. A whole soul is a soul believing he or she is worthy of whatever God wants to do in their life. A whole, a healed, a soul that is healed of shame and unworthiness is a soul believing he or she is worthy of whatever God wants to do in their life, whether they think they deserve it or not. God desires goodness for your life. And I'll end with this brief story. I've shared some funny stories, I think, in the past of just how I've had like an issue with um, behind the wheel in a car, not like drunk driving, but like legitimately like driving correct, like driving right. Like yes, there was a few times where, um, you know, when I was 16 when I, um, yeah, when I had to take the test like a few different times and there was just moments, it's just been a part of my testimony of getting better. There's been some moments where I've had to really work to think, to get things off the record. You know, like those people on the side of the road that wear the shiny little vest picking up trash, they're not all felons. They're just trying to get, you know, a speeding ticket off the record. That was me. So there was multiple things, taking different uh, classes, different stuff to get off the record. And, and you know, there was like, there was a, a season, there was a season in my life where, um, and a few weeks ago, I did have a low moment. I didn't know it was school zone, but I got that, I got that correct. But there was a, a season where it's just like, I couldn't, like, there was a series of unfortunate events. Like, it was just like, whether parked cars or moving cars, like, I was hitting them. And it was just like, like, tickets, it was just not good. It was a low point again. It's part of my testimony. Cross has the final word. And so, anyways, I, it was a lot of shame and attached to it. Like, it sounds silly, but I just felt bad. I was in um, Bible school, so I was where I should be believing God for money to pay my tuition. I was believing God to, like, pay for my mistakes. And it was just a lot attached. You know, I was so nervous every time I'd call my dad. I was like, there's another one. <laughs> What'd you hit? The yield sign. Like, it was just, like, so bad. And so, anyways, I, you know, I'm with our interns, and I'm, telling like they're asking for prayer requests I was like I got no one spoken here I got a spoken like I'm speaking up I need some help with this I need some favor I need some guidance I need a new set of eyes new eye doctor whatever to get me out of this state and condition and and so after that um the guy who led our intern uh, ship, he needed somebody to run an errand, and, and you know, my helpful heart, I was like, sure, I'll do that, and um, he was like, okay, and he tossed me the te keys, and not realizing what happened, I was like, wait a second, you just tossed me the keys to your car, the thing that's on four wheels that I've just been saying I've just been having issues with, like, you, you want me to drive, and then I was like, oh no, okay, um, actually, you can have someone else, no problem, and he just smiles, he's like, no, I trust you, I was like, wait, are you sure? Like, did you hear everything you just said? And so I was trying to back out, like, this person can do it, that person, don't worry. Like, no, don't give me the keys. Like, I'm so unworthy. I'll show you my pictures. I'll show you my record. Like, I'm so unworthy. Uh, there's some things that are still on the record. I'll prove, like, it's not good, you know. And I was trying to back myself out of somebody wanting to love me in my shame. And some of you might be thinking, wow, that guy, that, that wasn't smart of him to do that to him. You know, I'd be thinking, I was obviously thinking the same thing. But God was using that person, the love of God in him, the love that keeps no record of wrongs. His response was speaking 
to my shame and unworthiness. And I feel like today, God is trying to give some of you the keys to get out of your prison of regret, the keys to get out of the prison of shame, the keys to get out of the prison of guilt. He is saying, I wanna give you goodness. I wanna give you all the mercy. I want you to experience all the goodness. Do not back out of shame. Do not back down because of unworthiness. Like, I wanna give you the keys. I wanna show you that you are worthy of a fresh start. I want to show you that you are worthy of what I've done on the cross. That's what God wants to do this morning. If everybody can join me and stand up in this room. I'd be doing you a disfavor if I didn't give every person the opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking and what he's doing. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you can just focus and allow the Holy Spirit to move. I believe there's people in here that you've never called upon the name of Jesus. You've never acknowledged that you're a sinner, that you need a savior and you need to repent and you need to receive his forgiveness today. You've never made Jesus the Lord and savior of your life. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? You're here in your need of salvation. We wanna pray for you. And secondly, I believe there are people in this room that you're Christians and there are, there are some, yes, there's some sins that you need to repent of, some things that your shame has kept you from acknowledging sin. And God wants you to acknowledge that and bring that forward so you can receive his forgiveness. If you're here this morning, you say, no, I do. I need to be repent. I've allowed my shame and my pride keeping me from acknowledging that I'm in sin, that I'm running away. I'm doing things that I know I shouldn't be doing. And I need to receive the forgiveness today by repenting. If that's you, can you raise your hand? Thank you for those hands. Your boldness is powerful. And thirdly, you have, like, you, you have repented. You thought you received his forgiveness, but... God's saying, but, but you really haven't because it's still on the record with you. Like you need to, you need to experience the forgiveness of the off the record kind of love with God this morning. There's been a trail of shame. There's been a trail of unworthiness and you realize that you are now pushing away through the help of the Holy Spirit this morning. You realize that you are pushing away and shying away from the goodness of God. If you see a, a trail of shame and embarrassment, can you raise your hand? Thank you. Wow, healing is in this place. God is setting you free from the shackles of shame and releasing you to move forward. And lastly, you, you don't have anything, you don't feel like you're holding anything over your head, but you're actually guilty of holding things over other people's head. You got some tapes that you've considered off the record for you, but man, you've got some tapes and some archives where you have been holding grudges and you've been holding things against people that have hurt you or wronged you and God wants to bring healing in your wholeness by, in your life by giving you the ability to forgive, courage to forgive and to let go. If you realize that you've been holding on and holding things over, people's head and you want to be the off the record kind of friend can you raise your hand and you need to allow forgiveness powerful so much boldness I'm gonna invite if you raise your hand to any of those calls any of those things or you didn't and you feel like man I do I need to get set free from the shackle of shame and unworthiness I want to invite you to join me up at front we're gonna dismiss in just a moment, but I'm gonna ask for all of you, raise your hand to come down to the front and those, my prayer partners, staff, volunteers, prayer partners to come around and surround these people that are getting free of shame and are experiencing the grace of God and giving themselves permission to pursue passionately after God. It's powerful. <laughs>